Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our fathers, we come before you. We are grateful and thankful that you are a God worth shouting to. You are a God worthy of our praises and not just our, our mumblings, but our proclamations. Shout to the Lord. God, we come before you in our humility, knowing that you are God and we are merely the people of your pasture. Speak to us this morning by your spirit, O God. Move in us and may your spirit rule and reign in our hearts and in our minds today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Decisions matter. Decisions have consequences. And whether you believe it or not, every decision you make has a consequence. It has repercussions. Now, they might be minor or they might be major. In 1849... A decision made in Wisconsin had a significant impact on Friday. In 1849, which is, what, 170-ish years ago, the Wisconsin lawmakers passed a law outlawing abortion. In 1973 or 4, when Roe versus Wade went into effect, that law was overruled. But this Friday, that law went back into effect. And in the state of Wisconsin today, it is against the law to commit an abortion. Elected officials 170 years ago made a decision, and that decision went further than they probably could have even dreamed that it would be. In 2016, the voters in the United States voted Donald Trump the president. Many voted just because of Supreme Court justices. Had many conversations with people. That was the reason they voted that way. Some people say they held their nose and voted. Nonetheless, when that president was asked this week what happened, he said, God did this. Decisions Elections, things that we do have consequences. I'm not so naive to think that there won't be consequences in, in uh, other areas of will. In ways that we as a church may not celebrate. My question for us as a church family is, Are we making decisions that will have consequences 170 years from now? Are you making decisions, church member, Christian, 
that will affect people 170 years from now. This church celebrated its 100th anniversary about uh, 15 years ago, I think it was. 115 years ago, people made a decision to begin a church fellowship. And Miss Linnell, it affected you today because you're here. If you have your Bible, I would like to invite you to open up to 1 John chapter 5. We're nearing the very end of 1 John, and I, I want to remind you that two years ago, we began a series called Truth in 2020. And it was during lockdown that I started preaching this book. Now, we had last year where we walked through the Bible together. And we went through the entire book of the Bible or the entire Bible together. But we've come back to truth in 2020, except it's truth in 2022. And, and I find it fitting that John ends his epistle going back to what is true. What is true? And when we think about the decisions we make, many people make decisions every day. And some of them are based in the truth and some are not. Christian, the question that John brings us to is, do we believe the one who is true? And based on that belief and that understanding that we'll read about today... Are we living in light of what is true? Are we making decisions based on believing in a true God? I'd like to read to you from 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God, or like last week we looked at it, and we said he who was born of God, or two weeks ago rather, he who was born of God, that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is what? Who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, lots of speaking of truth and understanding and the Son of God and Jesus Christ here. Let's put all of this together. And understand and try to understand at least what's going on. I have said this before and this is what I, I um, have spoken of many times through this book. And I hope that this is a theme that you remember and that you can, can, that comes to your mind when you're in that position. And it is this. Jesus came to show us God. He came to show us what is true. He spent 30-something years here to show us something that people did not comprehend. Now think about this. For, since Moses, 1,500 years before Jesus came, the Jewish people, the people of Israel had a temple. They had a sacrificial system. They had priests. They had a book of the law. They had the Torah. 
They had teachers of the law. They had scribes to carry down. They had all of this information. And then the, the point of all of that information came, walked into their room, looked them in the eye, and they said, who are you? We don't like you. We're going to murder you. Think about that for just a moment. The culmination of all of this stuff that was put together and the practicing of all of that stuff for 1,500 years came into the room with them and they killed him. How can this be? How can this be? Wouldn't that people just, we've done this for 1,500 years, and here's what it all comes to be. Shouldn't they have recognized it? I don't know if that's hard for you to comprehend or not, but for me, it's, it's bizarre. The only explanation that I can offer you is they must have completely misunderstood Genesis through Malachi. Or in their order, Genesis through Second Chronicles. But they must have completely misunderstood it. Are y'all tracking with me? They must have completely misunderstood it. Now. Enter John to bring us to verse 20. Let's read verse 20 one more time. They must have misunderstood it. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us what? You see it? It's as if Jesus walked in and said, whoa, 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 what's going on here? You're missing the what? The point. You've missed it all. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Here's something important for you as a Christian and for me as a Christian to understand. Information does not necessarily give us Understand. Information does not necessarily lead to proper practice. Agreed? We can look all over our country. The same information is being presented to our country. And we have people doing things in very different ways in our country. We want to treat this disease, do it this way, do it that way. We want to look pretty, do it this way, do it that way. You want to be happy, do it this way, do it that way. The same information. And, and granted, personalities fall into place with all of those things. But you'll find experts, experts in fields saying, nope, this is the way to treat that. This is the way to treat that. Jesus came, John chapter 18, verse 37, and he said this. Oh, I hope y'all have got this verse memorized by now. 
For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I came into the world to do what, church? To bear witness to the truth. Jesus came to show us what is true, and that's how John says it in the same author, but that's how he says it in John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5. He came to give us understanding. So not only to bear witness to the truth, but to give us a proper understanding and application of the truth. Brother Tommy read this for us last week. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. What is the source of truth? For the Lord gives wisdom. You see it there? The world may give information. Your doctor may give you information. Your counselor may give you information. Your cell phone may give you information. But the Lord gives what? Wisdom. It's that information that is applied. That's what wisdom is. It's applied knowledge. It's information that is understood in, in light of God's creation and God's world. Now, I, I took our students through a study recently of what is wisdom. And the Hebrew word, any of y'all remember that Hebrew word I taught y'all several weeks ago? Starts with an H. You got it? Eli's got it. Chokmah or chokmah. You say it like a Hebrew word. It is that understanding there's a thread of truth running through everything and leading things to a comprehension of what is true, not just intellectually true, but how it fits into the greater of what God has made. And this is why the scripture tells us that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Or elsewhere, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. It's because chokmah or wisdom or understanding is not just knowing facts. But it's knowing how those facts work together with how God has created all things. Children, y'all can comprehend this. Listen up. What's that thing that that's, goes from the west side of the river to the east side of the river called way up there that there's lots of traffic on all the time? What's that called? It's called a bridge. Thank you, Caleb. Now, what if, Caleb, you looked at that bridge and you said, oh, that would be a great place to eat breakfast. I mean, I could put donut holes in the middle of the bridge and really eat some donut holes. What would your dad tell you, Caleb? Be like, bro, come on. You can run over like Frogger. Or what's that new Frogger? What's that new one called? It's Crossy Road. Thank you. You can run over like Crossy Road. You can know what it is. It's a bridge. Caleb knew what it was. But he wanted to eat his breakfast on it. He didn't have quite understanding. He knew a fact. It's called a bridge. Jesus came to give us understanding. He came to show us all this stuff that you've done for 1,500 years, this is what it means. 
You can know the one true God. And that's what verse 20 is telling us. You can know him who is true. Knowing facts, it helps and it's good. And I want to encourage all of us to learn facts every day. If you're in middle school and you've learned to dread doing your math, know that that math is knowledge that when applied, you can conquer things for God's glory. And you can benefit those around you because you know that math. Jesus came to give us the truth. Middle schooler, more important than learning your math is learning your God. Because you know what? When you know your scripture, your facts and your knowledge, you can bring that knowledge to other people that need to hear the gospel and can conquer sin and death through the power of God in their lives. And without someone, as the scripture says, without someone preaching, how will they hear and unless they hear, how will they know and be saved? Jesus came to give us understanding. Let's look at the word, that Greek word. I, I do this every now and then for you guys because I think it's helpful. Dianoia. That's that word understanding. So if you go back, Craig's got it up there. In the third line, you got the word understanding. Now this is... We're going to dig into some scripture here, so get ready. Dianoia is the Greek word, and it comes from two Greek words. Now, many of you are familiar with the word that we translate repent. Repent, and, and I've shared it with you before. That word is metanoia. If you remember that word, it's, it's the same second part. Meta means change, and noia means your thinking or your understanding. Your mind, your comprehension, your mental facilities, faculties. This is something that, that dogs don't have, but people do, is that understanding. Well, what is the dia part of it? The, the dia part means through. It's just a prepositional phrase meaning through. So dianoia means through understanding. Through thinking, through comprehension. Jesus came to give us what you get when you comprehend something. When you can work through it and get to the end of just the facts. Does that make sense? It's not just that you know something, but that Caleb looked at that bridge and he said, I see that and I know that I'm supposed to drive over it so I can get my donuts, not so that I'm going to eat my donuts on it. He's processed that in his mind. That's the diagnoia. Now, I hope that helped. Through crunching it in your brain, you come to the end result. Jesus came to give us that. Not just walk to the temple with this. Place it on the altar. Slit throat. Apply blood here. That, that's not the point. You have to process that of why are we killing an animal again? 
Because I'm sinful and I need something to cover my sin before a holy God. And that holy God will only receive me with the shedding of blood. Because there's a payment for sin. It costs something when you defy the will of your God. And then Jesus comes and says, hey, all those animals are good, but they're not enough. And so I'm going to come and shed my blood once and for all so that your sin can perpetually, completely be covered and they don't need more animals. I want you to get it. The premise is your sin needs to be covered because you are sinful. You have rebelled against God. The greater point is I'm going to come and do it for you the right way. Jesus came to show us the one true God and that sinners can be forgiven. And then Jesus said, but no one comes to the father except for me. And he looked all of the folks who were in charge of selling those animals, all of the folks who were in charge of slaying those animals, all of those folks who were, who were in charge of teaching what to do with the animals. And he said, let me tell you the point. Let me give you the dianoia. Let me, let me run this to the end for you is your animals don't do anything. They're just telling you that you need me. Well, why does that matter today? The temple's gone. It's been gone for 2,000 years. Why does that matter to folks in Plaquemine? It matters greatly. Have you figured out yet that you're a sinner? That you have transgressed God's law? That you've broken God's commands? Have you figured that out yet? Have you understood that? Dianoia? Have you understood that? Have you run that to its conclusion that, wait a second, if I'm a transgressor, if I'm a lawbreaker... If I've broken God's law and I don't have what Jesus said, that blood to cover me, then I'm going to be judged. Now remember, Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else. And anybody that's not covered in the blood of Jesus will be judged eternally in a place called hell. But, but God... But God, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive in Christ Jesus, sent his son to die. And today you can be saved from your sin if you don't know him. Praise the Lord. Sinners who repent can be saved by trusting in Jesus Christ, by giving their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the dianoia. That's the end result. Jesus came to give us the truth that Jesus saves sinners that repent. Not just that God wants people to kill animals in a temple, but Jesus saves sinners that repent. Dianoia. Now, are y'all still with me?
Y'all still with me? All right. This word diagnosia, I want to show you other places in the New Testament where it's used. I told you we were getting to the scripture. But here's specific instances that you will recognize where diagnosia is used. Understanding that word. Mark 12.30. You should know this one. I know y'all know it. Mark 12.30. Jesus came to give us diagnosia. Understanding. Comprehension through thinking. Well, look what Jesus does here. And you, he's asked for the greatest commandment. What, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? Who was that, Drew? Was that you? Teacher, what's the greatest commandment from our passion play? And Jeff, you could probably finish it. What is it? Isn't that great? And y'all know the second is like it. What? Love your neighbor as yourself. But let's go back to this. Now this is interesting. Because when Jesus quotes this, we know he's quoting Deuteronomy, the Shema. In fact, Brother Tommy read that last week too. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That is what Deuteronomy tells us. Did you notice anything about that? What happened? What well, Jesus added one. And you know what he added? Dianoia. He added the same word we're talking about today. Now you go back and look, do your research. But Jesus added, love the Lord with your dianoia. You know it. It's in Deuteronomy. Look it up. It's there. Love the Lord your God. But y'all don't quite have it. You don't get it. You've missed the point. Love God with all of your through knowledge. Love the Lord your God with all of your comprehension skills. Jesus came to give us that through his spirit. If I might add, it is the spirit of God who he's given to us, who leads us into truth. John 17, you can do some further study in there. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. Praying for the spirit to come. Let me give you another instance. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. Y'all can turn there. It'll be on the screen. Look in your translation if you like. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. Now... This I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles or the godless do. In the what? In the what? Help me out. Futility of the, the hopelessness of their minds. He's, he's going to the mind again. Jesus came to give us dianoia, mind processing. And he says, look, the godless have hopelessness in their minds. Let me keep going. They are darkened in their what? Dianoia. They're darkened in their understanding. Jesus came to bring us light. Second Corinthians chapter 4. He who said, let there be light, has shown his light in our hearts so that we might comprehend the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what's going on here. They're darkened in their dianoia. They're alienated from the life of God because of the 
ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Jesus came to give us dianoia, understanding. Let me give you one more. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Here we go again. And you who were once alienated and what? Hostile in mind. So not only are they hopeless in mind, those who do not believe in God, they are hostile in mind. Now you think about the word and what that means. That is those who are against God, those who get really angry when God's will is being done. Do we ever see that? Do we see people throwing a fit when justice is done? Yeah, yeah, we see that. And it's not ours to insult. It's not ours to be ugly, disrespectful. But it is ours to look and go hostile in mind to God. I think they need Jesus. Was that your response this week? Did you do anything about it? I'm asking myself these questions. Prime opportunity this week. Are we going to do anything about it? Here's why I believe what I believe. Because what the scripture teaches is that life is, is sacred. That God gives life. And what I believe is that God wants us to protect those who can't protect themselves. True religion, James said, is caring for widows and orphans, those who are in need and need help. So I believe it's important for us to stand up for those who have no voice. And to speak out. And find ways that we can protect those who cannot protect themselves. That is our duty. The strong to care for the weak. And we believe that because Christian principles teach us that. And I understand that it may upset you or you have other thoughts about uh, other things. But the underlying most important thing here is what is most important. And here's why I believe these things, because I'm a Christian. And the Lord has changed my heart and given me a different understanding, dianoia, than some other people have. Are you willing to have a conversation like that? And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind... Doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. In order to present you holy and blameless above reproach. Jesus not only came to show us the truth, but to give us understanding. Do you believe this? 
Do you believe this? Do you, do you truly believe that Jesus, Christian, has changed your mind? Has given you that through understanding you can now know God and know His will. Romans 12, 2. That by testing you might be able to discern the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect or acceptable. God has given us the mental comprehension through His Spirit to know the things of God. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Because there's a difference and people grow up in church and come to church and and sit in church all the time and know facts. But do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He's giving you new life and new purpose? Do you believe it? It's more than just knowing the facts. Let me give you an illustration in the scripture about that. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Y'all still with me? Hang in here. It's more than just knowing facts. Because watch this. Eugene, watch this. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. Lawless meaning against God's law. Stirring up people to do things against God's law, antichrist, as John would call it. With all power and false signs and wonders. With all wicked deception. Y'all think we see that today? It's there. For those who are perishing. In other words, those who don't believe, those who are in the process even of dying even more. We could have sang the song, Rescue the Perishing this morning, Belinda. Bring them the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves them. For those who are perishing, watch this, die alone. Because they what? Refuse to what? You see that? You see that? Notice what it doesn't say. Can I read you the wrong translation? Because they refuse to know the truth and be saved. That's not what it says. The problem is not a lack of information for many. Now it is for some. And we need to be a part of that solution as well. But I'm not speaking to the people who haven't heard the gospel. We need to be a part of that. I'm speaking for those who have. Part is not, the problem is not a lack of information. All the demons know more than you about God. Satan's been in his throne room, Job tells us. Job tells us. It's not a lack of information. What did they refuse to do again, church? Love the truth. Love the truth. They refused to love the truth and so be saved. And the result of loving the truth is the salvation, if you see it there. Jesus came to give us. Here it is. Jesus has cleared it up once and for all by his advent, by his coming. And now, do you love it? 
Do you love the truth? So let me present to you this morning. You may have been in church your whole life. You may have been to Sunday school. You may know the answers. But I'm here to declare to you that the scripture does not say knowing the answers brings us salvation and saves us from the wrath of God. It does not. And I think you know in your deep in your soul if you love the truth or not and if you are in danger of hellfire today. Jesus can save you and save you fully and completely and forever if you will humble yourself before him today and say, Jesus Christ, I'm humbling myself before you. Save my soul. If you're lost today, come to the Savior and be saved. Christian, if you're here today, I'm calling you to love the truth. And if you love something, y'all help me out. What's a good definition for love? Anybody know a good definition for love? Love is... Yeah, somebody, some of our guests couldn't hear you. So tell me again. Love is wanting the best for someone and doing something about it. Love is wanting the best for someone and doing something about it. So Christian, I'm, I'm ending with application here for you. If you love the truth, if you love the true God, there is something that you will do about it. Psalm 86 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I might walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. The psalmist here is saying, I love it. I'm going to walk in it. It actually says, I'm going to walk in it. Teach my heart to love it. But you get the point. There is a, a duality. When we love God, there are actions of doing God's word. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Give me dianoia. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. I desire to know you, God. So Christian, what is your role? What is your job? One of them, yes, is to be faithful and come to church on Sunday mornings and be with your brothers and sisters. I cannot overstate the importance. The Lord did not give us church as an option. He gave us church as a requirement. And I'm not saying if you don't come to church next Sunday, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. But I am saying if you don't come to church, you are disobedient to God's command. And if you are ignoring church and purposefully being disobedient to God's command, I think you've got a lot of questions to ask. And I would question your salvation. And what that, what I say is this. Christian, you come to church but you also be the church. And when we walk out of these doors, we be the church. And we speak the truth in love. And we act like it. And when guests come into our church, 
We go talk to them. And we point them to Jesus. And on Wednesday night, if somebody's eating alone, we go walk up to them and say, hey, tell me about your story. What's the Lord doing in your life now? Are you studying Him? We point people to the Lord by being the church in the church and outside the church. When we go to our jobs, we have conversations that matter with people. Because souls are eternal. And they have eternal destiny. And we believe that. Jesus gave us understanding. What are we going to do with it? 170 years ago, people made a decision up in Wisconsin that has a serious impact and is saving lives today. In 170 years, what are you doing that will matter? Will there be a soul affected for all eternity because you've rescued the perishing by giving the gospel message? 170 years from now, will anything that you've invested into the kingdom, like the people who started this church, will it matter? I've been at this church 17 years, and I hope in 170 years, this church is still thriving. They can look back and say, God used this crazy-haired preacher to keep this church functioning for the kingdom. What are we doing? Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you thanking you for your word, for giving us dianoia, understanding through processing and thought. Lord, stir our hearts to make a difference as the church. And as we leave this place this morning, let us be the church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.